Good afternoon and welcome to the Tuesday edition of the Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Canute. Coming up this afternoon, Glenda Leal and Vossler will have details on the avian flu situation in Alberta. Up first in today's country comment, we'll chat with Manitoba Pork General Manager Cam Dahl. The latest farm news and market numbers all coming up over the next 60 minutes. The time now is 12 o'clock. Here's a look at our local news. Good afternoon. You're listening to the Manitoba Farm Journal. Joining us now is Manitoba Pork General Manager Cam Dahl. We're seeing that um, both on the the, the prices uh, producers receive for for their their animals, as well as on the uh, the crop input side, that um, we're we're seeing significant volatility on on both ends, and of course. The result of that is is uh, is risk that uh, comes uh, if if you don't get the uh, lock in the the output price at at the right time and and you don't have your feed cost hedged, um, it can result in in uh, significant lost opportunities. So we're we're seeing a time now of of significant market risk, uh, significant market volatility. Um, probably more than I can remember across all agriculture commodities. And, uh, you know, I, I put this down right now to, to three key drivers of, of that volatility. One is COVID-19 um, and the disruptions that has caused to uh, international supply chains. And uh, the, the second would be the drought uh, that was experienced in much of North America last year that has really pinched uh, feed supplies. Uh, and the third, of course, is is the uh, invasion of Ukraine. Um, Ukraine was one of the uh, the largest suppliers, uh, world suppliers of, of things like corn and and feed wheat, and of course of oil seeds like sunflowers. So um, that the that disruption in the Black Sea is is having an impact on feed prices and food prices, as well as inputs like fertilizer. So. We have, uh, in some ways, it's it's almost like the perfect storm that uh, these these major disruptions have hit at the same time, and and the result is volatility and uh, and risk. Yeah, and uh, I guess in your opinion, how how can agriculture respond to this uncertainty and volatility? Farmers today are, are modern business people, and and so they they are doing some of that already, and uh, you know whether that's through forward contracting with with processors for. For uh, for the the pigs that they're producing, or hedging hedging feed supplies. So as as much as possible, farmers are are managing those risks. But uh, but there's only so much you can do, especially if if that volatility is ongoing. And and so we also need to to be able to work with governments, both federal and provincial, um, to ensure that the business risk management programs, things like agri stability. Um, really are taking into account the current market environment um, and are able to respond to this volatility and risk. And then look at other options like, uh, you know, the the potential for an affordable livestock insurance program. That's uh, something that has been discussed for, for many, many years. And, and uh, um, you know, today's environment is, would be a good time to be able to move forward with that. So uh, there, there are some things that I, I think governments and, and together with industry can do to to help enhance the uh, the risk management tools that are available to producers. And uh, Manitoba Pork held its AGM last week. Um, w- would you say producers were optimistic? Yes, and and I'll, I'll be honest, I'm I'm almost was a little surprised at how optimistic uh, producers are. They were, uh, you know, really looking forward, looking to how they grow their operations, how they grow the industry. 
uh, it was really good to see. And, and uh, you know, in this time when when input prices are, are you don't know what the limit is on, uh, that said in the, the, the article that, uh, you know, who would have thought that feed wheat would be over $10 a bushel? Well, it's, it's probably going to be there for a while. And, uh, you know, that, that might have been a time of pessimism, but that's not what I saw. I saw producers that were uh, really looking forward to the future, that were, were looking to, to grow their operations and grow the industry, um, looking to grow processing in, in Manitoba. Uh, it, it really was good to see, and it's a good sign for the industry moving forward. That was Cam Dahl, General Manager of Manitoba Pork. A look at what's happening in the markets this afternoon is coming up. Good afternoon, I'm Corey Canute. Livestock producers in Manitoba and Saskatchewan are preparing for a major spring blizzard. People are being warned power outages are likely and to stock up on supplies and medication. Saskatchewan Livestock and Feed Extension Specialist Catherine Lang says for livestock producers, it's important to put out extra feed for the animals and be as prepared as you can. So some things that are really important to make sure you have in place is some shelter so those animals can get out of the wind and out of the blowing snow and contain that heat within the herd a little better, just some shelter from the wind. Um, It's important to get some bedding out there, especially for cows that are calving. Try to get those calves born on dry bedding is going to be the best chance to keep them from getting sick. She notes it's also important to get cows in closer to facilities that may calve during the storm. Farmers are being advised to consult with the Keep It Clean program to make sure their crops are market ready throughout the growing season. Greg Bartley is Director of Crop Protection and Crop Quality with Pulse Canada. So we just released the 2022 uh, Keep It Clean product advisory. And this is a simple document that we release every year to inform growers of the crop protection products that may pose a marketing risk if applied to certain uh, crops. Keep It Clean is hosting a webinar April 19th to provide more information. And a Manitoba Court of Queen's Bench judge has certified a class action lawsuit brought by Manitoba farmer Andrew Dennis against the Government of Canada and G3 Canada Limited. The lawsuit alleges financial irregularities occurred during the privatization of the Canadian Wheat Board. Stuart Wells is chair of the Friends of the Canadian Wheat Board and is pleased to finally see the certification moving ahead. You know, the wheels of justice uh, have been grinding very slowly because the the government has been wasting all this taxpayers' money trying to delay everything, but those wheels are still grinding, and that's the important point. Well says they have maintained for over a decade that the government of Canada and CWB took money that belonged to farmers and sold it as part of the asset base taken over by the Crown and then provided to G3 Canada Limited. That was a look at today's farm news. I'm Corey Canute. Good afternoon and welcome to the Prairie Eggwire for Tuesday, April 12th. I'm Corey Canute. Coming up today, Glenda Lee Allen Vossler will give us an update on the avian flu situation in Alberta. We've seen an increase in the number of cases of that highly pathogenic avian influenza H5 strain showing up in Alberta. Each infected premises has been placed under quarantine. Glenda Lee Allen Vosser got an update on the situation and biosecurity measures that poultry producers should be implementing. She's joined by David Webb, a representative of the Alberta Poultry Industry Emergency Management Team. Let's start with the basics. Uh, Talk to us about this highly pathogenic avian influenza H5 strain. What is it? What kind of an impact can it have? And how is it spread? 
even influenza, uh, this is the, the first time we've experienced uh, an outbreak like this here in Alberta. Uh, it's something that our industry, I guess all the poultry industries, so uh, the, the broiler or chicken industry, the hatching egg, turkey and table egg markets, uh, all of our industries you know, watch for this each and every year because Alberta is a known flyway for migratory birds, uh, which is a, a very common source uh, of the virus. So. Uh, every year, we, we work with our farmers to make sure that their biosecurity standards and, and, and regulations are all in place and being followed, uh, and, and those are always heightened uh, at this time of year. And so, you know, while we don't have an exact uh, known cause for the, the avian influenza uh, that we're seeing on a couple farms here in the province, um, that is, is one of the, the likely sources of it. Um, one thing that is very important to remember that I, I'd like to stress is that Health Canada has assured this that this is a not a food safety issue so uh, there should not be any concerns uh, amongst Albertans um, it doesn't have an impact on the food supply um, it's really a flock health issue so it's farmers doing their best to to protect the, the health and well-being of their flocks whether it's it's the broiler chickens the the egg laying chickens or turkeys now David can you bring us up to speed as far as what the latest is with the situation. It's my understanding that as of Monday afternoon, there's been six flocks identified. Yes, that's that's uh, the, the same information that I have. Uh, there are six confirmed cases uh, of uh, the avian influenza here in Alberta, uh, and, and those cases have been confirmed by uh, the Canadian Food Inspection Agency. And what does it mean for those operations? Well, I guess it, the industry groups are, are working closely with Alberta Agriculture and the CFIA to, to first and foremost, you, you confirm avian influenza whenever there is a suspected case. Uh, and then typically what that means is there would be a, a flock depopulation as it is a federally reportable disease. And... Um, obviously, we want, as an industry, to, to minimize you know, any, any suffering from the birds and um, want to also prevent further spread of avian influenza. So um, one of the things that the CFIA implements once they do have a confirmed case is um, you know, a zone around the infected farms. Uh, and, and within those zones, there's just a heightened uh, you know, level of biosecurity to, to minimize travel uh, in and out of any farms in, in that area. Now, for poultry producers, what kind of biosecurity precautions should they be taking, especially at this time? Yeah, and, and I think it's important to mention that, that all of our industries have really extensive um, biosecurity programs in place at all times you know, to prevent you know, the spread of, of any you know, potential disease that, that could impact uh, the poultry. Uh, and so... Uh, at this you new know, time, when we are in a in a sense of you know heightened biosecurity, really going you know above and beyond to to stress to our farmers to to limit who comes on and off your property, uh, who goes into the barn where the actual you know birds are are housed, um, to to take some of the 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 ongoing protocols you know to the extreme when it comes to you know changing your boots and and even clothing when you're going in and out of the barns and and could be coming into contact with the birds. Um, frequent testing, you know, I guess more frequent testing of the chickens and turkeys, um, uh, heightened you know, awareness when it comes to monitoring the bird health, you know, um, just checking in on them and 
erring on the side of caution, you know, if, if there is any reason to suspect that you might uh, be you know, with a flock that, that has the potential to be sick, and you know, even the, a sign that you might typically not uh, uh, think avian influenza right off the bat to, to involve your poultry veterinarian right away. Um, you know, just taking every precaution, erring on the side of caution, like I said, um, even things like sanitizing vehicle tires and wheel wells when they enter and exit the property. So you, whether it's your, your feed supplier, um, you know, even if you're in another area and you're, you're having birds come off or off onto the property, uh, eggs coming you know, on or off to the property, just um, being really extra diligent when it comes to, to doing everything we possibly can to prevent the spread onto or off of a, a facility. We're also hearing that individuals that may have backyard flocks, it's a good idea to try to keep them indoors for a time. For sure, and and that's something. Yeah, uh, anybody who who operates a, a free range facility, um, you know, if there's an organic facility which would have free range housing, uh, yeah, that's that's another thing that we've encouraged them to do is to keep the birds indoors uh, at all times. Again, if it is the migratory birds, potentially as as a cause, um, you know, for the for the avian influenza as they're flying overhead, uh, certainly you know, preventing the birds from going out uh, onto the fields where that manure you know could be, uh, is, is a great step as well. Now, you mentioned migratory birds. Uh, of course, they're making their way back to Canada. People are also being encouraged to just generally watch out for and report any unusual mortality in birds, clusters of, of two or more dead uh, waterfowl or scavenger birds. Yeah, I, I think that, that's a, a good thing to mention. I've heard that in other provinces, you know, that was kind of a, an early warning, you know, what they saw is you know, if there was, you know, unexpected mortality. Um, you know, I've heard in, in other provinces, you know, like uh, eagles or, or any type of bird that's flying overhead. Um, you know, we're, we, at this time of year, like I said, the industry as a whole is, is really extra you know, cautious and, and tries to, to keep an eye out for any sign that uh, the birds flying overhead could potentially you know, be carrying it or, or be susceptible to the disease. Overall, final thoughts, key comments you would like to leave with people today? Uh, yeah, I, I guess you know, two thoughts come to mind. Uh, first and foremost is, is again, that reminder that uh, this is you know, a, a significant issue for farmers that, that we are working through as, as industries. Uh, it is a major flock health issue, but uh, it does not pose a risk to consumers. You can continue to enjoy uh, you know, fresh local chicken, turkey, and egg products, uh, and, and, and you know, rest assured that they are safe for consumption. Uh, so that's the first thing. And and second, obviously, uh, our farmers do take animal you know, care and welfare uh, extremely you know, important to, to them, um, and, and they take it extremely seriously. And that's why, you know, from the moment we we had the first you know, suspected case, and, and frankly, even before that, because we have seen this uh, avian influenza appear in eastern Canada and central Canada before it showed up here in Alberta. So uh, we, we've kind of been you know, preparing and, and working really closely as the four poultry industries here in the province uh, and with uh, Alberta Agriculture, uh, Forestry and Rural Economic Development. And and since it's uh, you know, had the first suspect case uh, with the Canadian Food Inspection Agency as well. So um, not only on the farm side, but with all of our industry partners, you know, everybody from you know, the hatcheries and the pullet growers and the you know, the, the processors, graders, uh, feed folks, um, you know, everyone is involved. It really is a, a community of, you know, agriculture and poultry specifically in this case, uh, working together to, to minimize the, you know, the potential spread and, 
and wanting to get everything under control as quickly as possible. I've been talking with David Webb. David is with the Alberta Poultry Industry Emergency Management Team. For Golden West, I'm Glendalee Allen Vossler. Thanks, Glendalee. That's it for the Prairie Eggwire for today. If you have any questions or opinions to share, send them to us by email to farmdesk at goldenwest.ca. On behalf of Glendalee Allen Vossler, I'm Corey Canute. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. The Prairie Eggwire will return tomorrow on the Golden West Farm Network. Time now for a look at the farm calendar. Manitoba Beef and Forge Initiative is hosting grazing workshops this week. Register on the MBFI website. Keystone Agricultural Producers is hosting its Spring Advisory Council meeting online tomorrow, April 13th. You can register on the CAP website. Dairy Farmers of Manitoba is hosting spring meetings this month in person. A meeting will take place tomorrow night at the Canada Inns Portage of Prairie, April 19th at the Days in Winkler, and April 21st at the Pat Porter Active Living Centre in Steinbach. And looking ahead, Manitoba Forage and Grassland Association is putting on a Fence and Water Solutions Workshop June 1st. The cost is $30, and you can register on the MFGA website. Continuing with the Manitoba Farm Journal here on this Tuesday afternoon. As ecological approaches to reduce the impact of human activities on the environment multiply, Agriculture and Agri-Food Canada's Research and Development Centre in Sherbrooke, Quebec, continues to innovate in this area. Scientists are expanding the experience of the Sherbrooke Research and Development Centre in the valorization of manure and slurry through the Livestock Waste Technology Research Platform. It's supported by a new biomethanation plant called a biodigester, which uses microorganisms such as bacteria to break down and ferment organic matter. To tell us more, here's Dr. Raj Rajagopal. We at uh, Sherbrooke Research and Development Center, uh, since 1990, we have been developing uh, a technology called low temperature or psychrophilic anaerobic digestion process. So our, our researcher called Dr. Daniel Massey, who got presently retired. So he developed, he started approaching uh, anaerobic digestion, psychrophilic anaerobic digestion to treat livestock and other agricultural biomass into valuable uh, energy. For instance, it could be biogas or it could be a, a fertilizer value digesting. So the research has started uh, in order to transform them into different bioproducts. Uh, and presently, we have been continuing the research to answer some of the questions, like, for instance, can the low temperature digest uh, those materials? Because in the world, it's about 50,000 biodigesters are, are in place, but majority of the digesters are operating at higher temperature. And that's how our temperature, considering Canadian climatic conditions, low, te- low temperature plays a major role in saving energy, and also you produce a valuable bioproducts. At the same time, you reduce greenhouse gas emissions and other environmental footprints coming from agricultural waste, and also increase the value of carbon credit. So this is a re- the research that we are uh, working at Sherbrooke Centre. Just talk a little bit more about the about the process. Yeah, well, in anaerobic digestion process is is a is a natural process, I would say. So um, the digestion process is taking place in a closed container without no oxygen. So the organic material, which we call, for instance, manure or any food waste or agricultural biomass, will be transformed into methane and digested through bacterial breakdown. 
So anaerobic bacteria which develop by natural process will break down this into simpler forms and the methane, you know, biogas which is rich in methane can be useful as a, as a bioenergy product. Where are things at with your research? Where do you hope to uh, to go from here? Well, you know, the, if you compare with other 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 countries like uh, Asian countries, European countries, there are already so many biodigesters are in place. Whereas in Canada, it's about sixty biodigesters are in are in uh, you know real time uh, uh, operation. So the major reasons are low temperature, we have a climatic conditions which is not favorable for these microorganisms to break down those organic matter. So our researchers, along with, you know, collaborators, we, myself and, and my colleague called Bernard Goyer, we have been working uh, to develop this biotechnology that can operate at low temperature. And second point is like economics. So when this biodigester we talk about, it's always for us large forms, big forms, more than minimum 500 cows can have a profitable biogas project. But the technology that we have been developing, it's also focusing the medium-sized forms, sometimes small-scale small size forms. They can even use these biodigesters in order to produce energy, not just to produce energy, and also to pro produce other valuable bioproducts which is like fertilizer value, bedding materials, or it can be used as a, you know, a, a, a pellets or granules form that can be easily transportable to other, other, other places. So having said that, this project aims at ecological value, economical value. At the same time, we encourage a circular, circular economic of, of a particular form so that the waste, we call it as a mist, Placed resources that will stay, you know, that can be treated and can be useful in a different forms. That was Dr. Raj Rajagopal with Agriculture and Agri-Food Canada's Research and Development Centre in Sherbrooke, Quebec. Another look at what's happening in the markets heading into the close is coming up in just a moment. Time now for another look at today's farm news. Manitoba and Saskatchewan are preparing for a major spring blizzard. Saskatchewan Livestock and Feed Extension Specialist Catherine Lang advises producers to be as prepared as you can. So that could mean getting a few bags of colostrum on the shelf back to your home so that they're ready if those new calves are born and need an extra dose of colostrum. And then after the storm, unfortunately, if those calves are wet and cold, you can be dealing with some sick calves with the aftermath of a storm. So having some electrolytes on hand or any other medication needed for scouring calves or calves with pneumonia to get them back on track. Producers will also be putting out extra feed and making sure animals have access to water and shelter. A Manitoba Court of Queen's bench judge has certified a class action lawsuit alleging financial irregularities occurred during the privatization of the Canadian Wheat Board. The lawsuit alleges $145 million of farmers' money was unlawfully sheltered into an account that could be transferred to the purchasers with the privatization of the CWB back in 2012. Stuart Wells, chair of the Friends of the Canadian Wheat Board, says the move now means the case can move to trial. The way that dismantling was done by, by Mr. Ritz was morally wrong. And now we're going to find out if it was not just morally wrong, but also legally uh, wrong. 
Anders Brun, one of the lawyers involved, says they are also seeking $10 million in punitive damages plus interest on the full amount claimed for this misallocation of funds. And Keep It Clean has released its 2022 product advisory to inform Canadian growers of potential market risks associated with certain crop protection products when used on some crops. Greg Bartley is Director of Crop Protection and Crop Quality with Pulse Canada. The Keep It Clean program was developed to uh, provide tips and tools to growers and agronomists to make sure that the crops they're growing uh, remain uh, market ready at the end of the growing season. So, for example, we provide uh, resources on potential market risks associated with crop protection products, but also uh, tips in terms of uh, potential uh, crop diseases or how to store your crop properly to ensure it uh, remains marketable at the end of the growing season. Keep It Clean is hosting a webinar April 19th to provide more information. I'll be back after this to wrap up today's program. We've come to the end of another Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Canute. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us by email, thefarmdesk at goldenwest.ca. Today's closing numbers with more in-depth commentary on what's happening in the markets is coming up at 10 to 2 on the Markets Farm Program. Coming up on tomorrow's show, we'll have details on the 2022 Manitoba budget. Thanks for listening. Have a great afternoon. Hope you can join us back here tomorrow starting at 12 noon.